What you doing? I'm running out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's game day, finally, Locked On Vikings. I'm Sam Ekstrom, joined by Sage Rosenfels. As usual, Sage is on his way to the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. He'll be in attendance tonight, as will I, as the Vikings and Giants clash. Minnesota hopes to stay undefeated. Sage, I'll start with this. Do Minneapolis fans, do they have anything left in the tank after the Ryder Cup in which they, I mean, they left it all out on the course. They were boisterous. They were loud. Is there anything left? Uh, I'd like to think so from my night game. I, that was you know, quite to the weekend of college football was unbelievable. The NFL was unbelievable. That Ryder Cup was the highlight of the weekend and, you know, so much fun. And uh, it actually sort of, you know, I think the, the, the difference is the USA versus Europe. So the Europe can't really do those types of USA chants or uh, the national anthem and those types of things. I don't think there's like a European, you know, anthem. And so, uh, that was really a lot of fun to watch. I know a lot of people from all over the Midwest, from Omaha to Eastern Iowa, where I grew up. Uh, people drove up there uh, for that, uh, you know, for that tournament. And uh, man, that was a lot of fun to watch on TV. I wish I could have been. Ditto. I watched on TV. I was just, you know, a half hour drive away. Didn't make it out. But it's a funny contrast because the big storyline is about how boisterous these fans were and how Europe has been commenting and criticizing the galleries, and it sounds like there was some derogatory stuff being thrown around. That's not great. But can you imagine any other sport in which competitors were saying the crowd was too loud or blaming the crowd's level of enthusiasm on a poor performance? It's it's kind of a funny juxtaposition, and I appreciated Rory McIlroy yesterday who just, you know, he fired right back, and he displayed that emotion, and he played great golf. I wish there was more of that. Well, I think what Rory said I found fascinating, and I, and I think he said it on maybe Saturday. He said, uh, you know, the, the more that the fans uh, try to sort of intimidate or, or yell at him, the better he plays, so keep it going. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a difference between, you know, getting fired up and getting emotional as fans, and you can do that with the Ryder Cup, but there's a certain amount of class uh, to how you do it, and in particular in golf, where it is supposed to be a gentleman's sport and a sport of class, and it's the sort of the gentleman's game and, and you play by sort of the gentleman rule where, you know, you, you can't cheat and you have to sort of uh, hold your honor with, uh, with scoring and all those types of things. And uh, I think that's the question is there, there might be 5,000 fans just cheering and, and, you know, doing what they're supposed to. Then there's those two or three fans who are, who are saying probably classless things and they sort of spoil it for the rest of everybody else. 
Well, I imagine it'll be an electric atmosphere at U.S. Bank Stadium tonight. Vikings and Giants. Quick backtrack to the NFL storylines from Sunday, and there's plenty of them. A couple things that stood out to me, Sage. Carolina just appears to be reeling now, uh, and Cam Newton now in concussion protocol. Atlanta's offense rolling. They put up 35, 45, and 48 now in successive games. Julio Jones goes for 300 yards. They're a surprise team in the NFC South. And then there's Denver continuing to win with their defense and their 4-0. What stood out to you yesterday? Well, how can you not talk about what Atlanta's doing right now with Julio Jones and and uh, and, and obviously you know Matt Ryan, Matty Ice is just having an unbelievable start to the season. You know, we're only a quarter of the way through, and we'll see how they you know, keep this up for the rest of uh, you know the, the next 12 games. But it re- you know Julio Jones reminds me a lot of Andre Johnson. You know, when I was in Houston, sure enough, Kubiak slash Kyle Shanahan, who's the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. Um, were my sort of my coordinators and uh, uh, you know we used to know how to get you know Andre Johnson the ball formation play action uh, no matter even if everyone knew he was going to get the ball and he was going to get his 100 catches they found him a way to get 120 catches and that's hard to do that takes a lot of creativity uh, by an offensive coordinator to get somebody the football even if everybody in the, the entire stadium knows that's what you're trying to do. Now, on the other side of that is Carolina, who's 1-3. Another team that got upset yesterday is Arizona. They're also 1-3, and, and this works out brilliantly for the Vikings. You know, the Vikings had to play the quote-unquote tough schedule for a first-place team, and so they got paired up with Carolina, who they've already beaten, and then later on, Arizona, who seems to be having some issues in the first quarter of the year. Meanwhile, Green Bay is playing the second-place schedule against Seattle, who's looking much better, and Atlanta who's red hot, so it may have kind of flip-flopped where the Vikings actually got those two easier crossover games. Well, that's one of the issues, I think, with uh, a team like Carolina is, you know, they're now playing all the, you know, number one seeds mm-hmm. uh, in the other divisions, you know, in the in the NFC, and so you're at, your schedule sometimes gets harder uh, in that way. Now, now, teams like New England, they do that They do that every single year since they win the conference or win their division almost every single year, so... Yeah, Carolina seems to uh, have, have they have not played well uh, since really the Super Bowl after just an unbelievable season last year. The Cam Newton thing yesterday with really slowing up and thinking he was in and then getting hit in the face and concussed. By the way, I, I highly disagree with anyone that says, like, well, that was a shot to the head. He is a runner in that situation. He is no different than a tailback. I know he's a quarterback. But he is no different than a tailback when he is running the football, and the and and you can hit a player uh, in the helmet, in the head, in that type of situation. It's not a penalty at all. Well, with Cam, he's taken so many hits to the head, you know, legal or illegal, this season that you wonder if just the cumulative effect of the battering he's taken through four games is going to keep him out for a little bit. He could be out for a game or two, and maybe we'll get a good look at Derek Anderson, his backup. Well, I do know this. You know, the quarterbacks that have lasted a long, long time uh, are not the ones that consistently run uh, and use their legs to, to, to win football games. Uh, it's the ones that use their brain, uh, their, their understanding of offense and defense, and how can I get that ball out of my hands as quickly as possible to whoever's open first. And I think that's the way you last for a long time. And, and Cam's, despite the fact that he literally is Superman, no one's ever been built like him that's played the quarterback position. 
he's not going to be able to have the success he's had so far if he continues to hold on to the football uh, and run as much as he does. Yeah, he, he's a different breed, that's for sure. Uh, it's Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. Sage and Sam here for one final show before Monday Night Football. So yesterday the Vikings players probably sit on their hands, watch some football, watch some Ryder Cup, maybe hang out with the family. The routine is different for a Monday night game. You're usually getting up in the morning, eating breakfast, going to the stadium. Now you've got to sit around all day, and suddenly you have to play at night. How does that routine change? Well, Sunday night games I didn't mind because you at least sat around the hotel and you were watching football games all day, which is a lot of fun. You usually don't get to do that. You get to watch a lot of NFL and see what's going on around the league, and sometimes those plays will motivate you even a little bit more to make plays uh, You know, that night. But Monday games – there is nothing going on uh, on TV other than just basically watching highlights. Uh, but, you know, you have some meetings in the morning. You might have an extra meeting in the afternoon uh, to go over the game plan one more time. Uh, I always like to, to spend a little bit more time uh, you know, studying the game plan. I think quarterbacks like the later games, but I think most of the other players like those noon kickoffs to get that game out of, out of the way and just go out there and play and, and get those nerves out right right away. But I think quarterbacks always like those afternoon or evening games. Just a little bit more time to prepare. Now talk about getting thrown off your routine. I can't believe I didn't realize this until this morning. In 2010, the Dome collapsed prior to a Vikings-Giants game. You were a part of that with the Giants. So you had to go through the snafu of where are we going to play? The game gets moved to Detroit in Ford Field and then played Monday night. That experience had to be bizarre. That was extremely bizarre. And obviously playing against my old team made it even stranger. And, and uh, uh, you know, I remember that game. To, you know, that was I think that might have been the first game Favre did not play. He had got a concussion or something the, the week before, and Tavares Jackson made the start. But even Tavares didn't, ma- didn't last for, I think, more than nope. a couple a couple quarters. He hit his knee on, on hitting the running back on a handoff, and then Joe Webb came in. And, and uh, yeah, obviously I was very excited to try to help out uh, my defensive coordinator uh, in, in New York that week uh, to try to beat, uh, beat my old team. I, I – I don't know what my overall uh, numbers were in my career, but I, I feel like my, my teams had a lot of success beating my old teams or my previous teams uh, during my NFL career. Yeah, I don't know if you can take too much credit with Tavares on the other side there, Sage, but we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, well, there were a lot of strange memories in that game. You know, they just I think it was like uh, just general admission or something, <laughs> and maybe all the tickets were even free, and so – you know, those gates just opened up about an hour before uh, or maybe two hours before the game started and fans just rushed in and just went and found any seat they wanted. It was a sort of first come, first serve situation. Yeah, it was very odd to play in front of fans that, you know, very few of them were, were really the fans of either team. Yeah, and they tried to, like, put the Vikings logo at center field and they tried to kind of have the game day experience like they would have had at the Metrodome. But I think a lot of people who came were supporting New York. So it was a really, really weird experience. And the Vikings got crushed in the game. Just the, the cap to a terrible season, basically, for Minnesota. And, and, I, and I'm not sure, was I'm not sure was Brad Childress still the head coach at that time? Or, or was, he, was no. he gone already? He, I, don't, I don't recall. Yeah, he was gone. He'd been replaced by Leslie Frazier after they lost to Green Bay, I think week 9 or week 10. And then this was... This was about four weeks later, so it's, it was Frazier at that point, and then he got the extension, obviously, or the, the full-time job in the offseason. 
You know, uh, I heard John Elway talk about with Sam, or uh, not with Sam, but Brock Osweiler. He said, you know, sometimes the best deals you ever do in business are the ones that you don't do. And I think for me, sometimes the best uh, uh, situation was that I got traded from that Vikings team uh, over to the New York Giants and have that experience because that, that Vikings team was sort of a disaster way to happen. And, and the roof just was sort of uh, icing on the cake. Yeah, I mean, that was indicative of that entire season because it started with, you know, the Sydney, the weird Sidney Rice injury. So he missed most of the year. Then Favre Sturger scandal. Randy Moss. Moss. Randy Moss blowing up at a caterer and then getting released on a Monday afternoon. And then the stadium blows up. Can't, yeah, you can't wow. script it. You can't make it up. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was a bonfire just waiting to happen with kerosene and, and gasoline and diesel fuel just sitting on it waiting for a spark. Oh, yeah, it's a little more stable now, I would say, as the Vikings look to move to 4-0 and with this new coaching staff and this good-looking team. Uh, key matchups tonight, the Vikings' defensive ends against the Giants' offensive tackles. Now, New York's missing their right tackle. Vikings obviously very healthy, very intimidating on that defensive line, the most sacks in the league. But if you look at the tape, the Giants don't really get blitzed very much because Eli's so good at getting the ball out. So it's going to come down to those front four for the Vikings. How well can they rush without any help from the linebackers or the, or the secondary? Well, they, the, you know, the Vikings, you know, they don't do a lot of things on defense. They have certain uh, uh, blitzes they do that are a very good disguise that give teams trouble with protection. But I tell you what, I don't know if there's anyone better. And I, actually, I, I would say there is no one better. Uh, that I've played with in the NFL than Eli Manning about uh, deciphering protection issues, uh, having a feel if a defense was going to blitz or not, uh, audibling to a to a right to the better protection or manipulating a protection in some way that uh, even if a team does blitz, uh, he finds a way to block uh, block up the defense. And um, yeah, I think that's going to be a, a, a situation. It must be a concern for Ben McAdoo in this game. Is Eli Manning getting hit too much? Over the course of his career, he likes to hold on to the football, uh, hitch two, three, four times in the pocket a lot of times. Uh, but with this Vikings pass rush, he's got to get the ball out quick. So uh, my guess is that McAdoo is going to call a lot of three-step drops early in this ball game, a lot of slants, little stick routes, little five-yard out routes by the tight ends, uh, get that ball out of Eli Manning's hands uh, to slow down the pass rush. The guy who I think is sitting on a pretty nice game tonight is Victor Cruz. Because the Vikings have a history of shutting down number one wide receivers. Obviously, that's Odell Beckham Jr. They'll put Rhodes on him, try to shut him down. I would imagine provide some support from the safety position to help out Rhodes on Beckham. That could open up things for Cruz, who will likely be matched up against Terrence Newman. And when you have one guy you're focusing on, oftentimes it's that number two guy that gets actually the most targets. Well, in, the, in this situation, it might be three guys. I assume that uh, the New York Giants will play a lot of three-receiver sets in this ball game because they've got the Shepherd kid too, who they really like uh, as their third receiver. And uh, you know, they have three really good receivers. And you know, despite all the fact that all the things that Eldo Beckham Jr. did last year. He didn't have Victor Cruz, and I tell you, Victor Cruz is a very, very good wide receiver, and uh, having two guys, if not three guys, I think that's going to be where the New York Giants try to find that matchup, the matchup on their number, Victor Cruz, the number two corner for the for the Vikings, and, and uh, Shepard, the third wide receiver on the Vikings' third quarterback in the slot, and so 
Uh, I see, uh, as you said, Xavier Rhodes all over Odell Beckham all night. But the question is, how do how well do the Vikings do with their man-to-man coverage against the number two and number three receivers? It'll be interesting to see what the Vikings do at cornerback because last week in Carolina, where there was a lot of humidity, guys were cramping, they wanted to prevent fatigue, they used a three-man rotation. I think it was 57 snaps for Rhodes, 53 for Newman, 39 or so for Waynes, and then even Alexander got in the mix late along with Marcus Sherrill's. But I'm curious to see now in a controlled environment, now that Xavier Rhodes is fully healthy, if they just go with basically two guys on the outside and, and keep Waynes on the bench. Uh, Waynes had a really tough game against Green Bay, but he bounced back nicely against Carolina. Any opinion on whether Newman or Waynes would be better suited for this game? Uh, well, I probably Terrence Newman just because he's the veteran and usually the veterans understand their strengths and their weaknesses. Uh, and and I, I think that the opportunity to get burnt for a long one are less with Terrence Newman. You know, Wayne's really got picked apart in that game. And even though it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, NFL teams, coordinators, they're looking at games three, four, five games back. And you can't watch uh, the Vikings games this year without realizing man, Wayne's really got picked on a couple weeks ago. And again, this is a situation that's why uh, I think that the Giants will do whatever they can to get him on the field to try to take advantage of that matchup uh, of a, a third wide receiver that they may feel better is better than the, the Vikings uh, third cornerback. On the opposite side of, of that, you know, there's the Giants cornerback situation. They've got Eli Apple doubtful. They're, they're starting rookie, which means they're at their backup at corner. They're at their backup at safety. This could mean a big game for a guy like Charles Johnson, who hasn't really broken through yet this year, or Adam Thielen. What do you do to exploit a depleted secondary? What's the plan there from a quarterback standpoint? Well, the, the Giants have done a pretty good job this year with uh, defense against the run. And it's, but I, what I, I think what you do is uh, you, you still try to run the football, but also I think the best way to take advantage of a secondary is play action. And uh, because if you just straight drop back, uh, uh, you know, against them, that's when the, and the Giants do have a pretty decent uh, pass rush. And uh, but if you can get some play action going, that gives you a little bit more time. Those D linemen have to play the run for just a second, and that gives you time for your your receivers to get down the field. Uh, and get uh, and put double moves and those type of things on those safeties uh, and make a big play down the field. It's hard to sort of take advantage of a secondary just from just from straight drop back pass. Um, I guess that the Vikings will do some play action pass tonight to try to take advantage of that weak secondary of the New York Giants. You're listening to Locked On Vikings, Locked On Podcast Network. The network, of course, is completely filled out. 32 NFL shows as well as Locked On NFL in general with Matt Williamson, Locked On Fantasy with Vinny Iyer, Locked On NFL Draft also getting in the mix. Plenty of shows to consume on the Locked On Podcast. Yo, everybody get up! Everybody get up! Everybody needs to understand that I'm more than simply a hype man for this rap group. Just like Geico is more than just a company that can save you money. Geico also has fast and friendly claim service so they can help you when you need it most. And while I do love being a hype man, I also love reading for children's audiobooks. Like Little Bo Peep, she lost the sheep, and she don't know where to find them. Yo! Geico. Expect great savings and a whole lot more. Network. Sage, before I let you go, we got to get your official prediction. Vikings-Giants, final score. I like the Vikings in this one, and I think they're going to actually they're gonna score some points. I'm going to go with 24-17. Uh, I also like the Vikings. I picked against them 
the last two weeks. I, I couldn't make it three in a row, not after how they proven me wrong in each of those games. I'll go Minnesota 26, New York 17. They had two points. You got two points. Maybe that's that safety that the Vikings seem to be pretty good at getting this year. Yeah, or or the field goals. You know, until the Vikings start proving to me that they can score in the red zone consistently, I'm just going to assume Blair Walsh is going to get four field goal attempts per game. It, it seems to be kind of a trend. Also, he's my fantasy kicker. Need a big night from him. Okay, question. Do the Vikings score a touchdown on defense or special teams tonight? Boy, let's see. They've done it now three Four, four times if you include the safety. Man, and, and it's against Eli Manning, who's thrown five career pick sixes against them. I'm gonna yeah. s- I'm gonna say yes. The Vikings All have right. one defensive or special teams touchdown, probably defensive. So I got two Vikings uh, offensive touchdowns, a field goal, and a and a uh, and a defensive touchdown tonight. That sounds That's what I got. yeah, that sounds like a classic Vikings formula. I like it. I got a a sack fumble and either a Chad Greenaway or Barr uh, scoop and score. That's my that's my call. We'll see if you're prophetic. Definitely. <laughs> He's Sage Rosenfels at Sage Rosenfels 18. I'm Sam Ekstrom at Sam Ekstrom. Sage will be looking out for your column on thescore.com as well about the three quarterbacks you liked or didn't like this past weekend. And we'll, of course, have full analysis of this game on Tuesday morning when you rejoin us on Locked On Vikings. Enjoy the game, everybody. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org catalyst.